Jim Calloway. And I'm Sharon Nelson. This is the 10th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Today, our topic is the ABCs of SEO. How's that for a geeky title for a topic, Sharon? <laughs> it sounds like us, doesn't it, Jim? It does. SEO, as most of our listeners probably know, stands for Search Engine Optimization. It is the process through which one gets better results in the search engines for one's website. And you've probably all heard of it because you've probably been accosted by SEO vendors and other people trying to say they can get your website to the very top of the list. But let's talk a little bit about why search engines are more and more important in this day and age. According to a survey by RPM Directional Media in 2007, 82% of people now use local search to further their inquiries, and 61% of them use, actually become customers. It was said that 66% of Internet users are looking for information on a particular legal issue when seeking out a lawyer's website. So it's not like they're looking for advice online. They're looking for information. The Yellow Pages, on the other hand, which is a traditional way that lawyers advertise their services, has been going downhill dramatically. Our friend Larry Bodine, the legal marketing guru, thinks that the return on website investment is probably 8 to 1 where another legal marketing expert, Dale Tensher, says that he thinks the rate on Yellow Pages return has now dropped to less than two to one. Those numbers seem to follow along with our experience, although I will say, Sharon, that you and I may have a little bit different take on this topic. I still think that the Yellow Pages are a useful tool for the next few years at least for situations where a law firm I mean, a person is seeking a law firm who has never had a lawyer before, and maybe it's an area that they don't want to talk to all their friends about. So I still think things like DUI, family law matters, juvenile criminal problems, criminal defense, those type of things, you're still going to have a certain number of people going to the Yellow Pages, particularly if they're in the over 45 demographic. I, I think that's true, Jim. I think that that's, even that is lessening. More and more older people are getting on the computer. So I think we have some level of disagreement, but it's probably not severe. I do advise clients uh, on the electronic marketing side of my business to, to keep a Yellow Pages presence, but to keep it as minimal as possible and not to spend the tens of thousands of dollars that some of them were spending on giant ads or two-page ads. Uh, that no longer makes any sense to me, and they're not seeing a return on investment. In fact, some some of them have simply been doing the same thing over and over, year after year, convinced by the salespeople from the Yellow Pages, and they really just haven't looked at what they're doing in a hard-nosed way to see if there's a return. And, and that, of course, is the most extraordinary thing of all, that people are not measuring the return on their investment. It just doesn't make any sense not to do that. But it's certainly clear that on the Internet, the return on investment is very high because more and more, with each passing year, everybody will be going there. So the Yellow Pages will continue, I think, to diminish in what they can do for, for a law firm. I, I do want to move, too, to talking a little bit about the fact that you can't, in spite of what these search engines say, uh, or the search engine optimizers say, you can't just go overnight to the top of the rankings. If they're doing that, they're cheating in some method. If they're cheating, they're going to get found out, and if they're going to get found out, then you're going to get punished, and that's what happens all of the time. The only way, really, to get to the top of the search engines is, and stay there is honestly, and 
that means a lot of depth and breadth of content. Content is still king. And my own site, Sensei Enterprises, Inc., which is um, S-E-N-S-E-I-E-N-T.com, that site was developed over a period now of 11 years, and it's very deep and very broad. And so when you type in Computer Forensics Virginia, we will come up number one, uh, which is appropriate for that kind of a site. And, of course, we have many reasons to link to the site, and that's another thing law firms want to think about. What's on my site that someone else will want to link to? Because that's one of the key ingredients for Google returning a high search uh, engine ranking. Okay. Uh, and I have to add in a personal experience that the most dangerous thing is to be absent from the web. I had to reschedule an appointment with a physical therapist a few weeks ago and actually became quite angry when I typed their name into Google and got no hits. I was just looking for their phone number, had to dig out and literally dust off the yellow pages to find their phone number. So I think the most important thing to be aware of is no matter how well you're optimized, it's dangerous to be totally absent from the web for a law firm at this point in history. And, and I, don't th- I don't think people even respect you. They, they don't think you're a real law firm or a real lawyer if you don't have at least some kind of site. That, that's the validation that you're real today because people expect every law firm, every lawyer to have a, well, even a solo, to have a website. They might not expect the solo to have a big website, but they expect there to be something out there where they can maybe look at the, the lawyer's picture, find a bio, get directions in a map. That's the collateral value of even a small website. I totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about SEO. The first question is, when we do search engine optimization, what search engine do we optimize for? As you know, there are hundreds and maybe thousands of legitimate search engines. But the easy answer is that we want to optimize for Google and no one else. For the foreseeable future, Google is the search engine of choice for the vast number of consumers. It is, in effect, the 200-pound uh, gorilla. And so while if we had a professional search engine company and this was going to be our stock and bread and butter, we might pay attention to the other search engines. Our advice today is to optimize for Google, Google alone, and let everything else fall into place. Would you lose anything, for example, by optimizing for Google? I don't think so. There could be a time when another search engine's algorithm is going to be somewhat different, and you may rank higher or lower in that search engine than Google. But generally speaking, if you get a good Google result, you're going to get an equally good result with the other search engines. Amen. That's that's really correct. And, and the question I think people want to know the answer to, Jim, all the time, and, and please uh, jump in if you have some other thoughts. They always want to know how Google ranks websites. And I always tell people when I lecture that if somebody tells you they know how Google ranks websites, uh, they're Pinocchio and their nose should grow to six feet immediately because nobody knows for sure how that algorithm works. We know it's complex. We know it's been developed over time. And some people swear that it changes daily. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if that were the case. They're always trying to find a way to screen out people who are trying to cheat. And when I say cheat, I mean things like putting white words on white so that you can repeat a word say uh, or a phrase, say employment law, over and over again. And you put that in white on white text, and they want Google to read employment law so that they'll come up number one when somebody searches on that. Well, that's cheating. You're not supposed to do that. So Google will ultimately find that and will penalize you. 
So nobody knows for sure, but as Mr. Spock once said in Star Trek, I will make my very best guess at some of the things that are the most important. One, of course, I mentioned before, and that is content. If your content is broad and deep, very rich, there are things on your site that people can use. The keywords appear, but in a legitimate fashion because of the depth and breadth of your site. That's all going to help you. Your page title is very critical. You should make sure that your page title includes keywords if possible. And what I mean by that is if your law firm is Fuller and Day, don't just say Fuller and Day. Say Fuller and Day, an employment law firm or uh, something of that nature so that you're representing the keywords within the title because we know that there is more emphasis on keywords at the top of the page than there would be in the internal text. The home page seems to be more important to Google than anything else, so I tell people that contrary to what you might think was artistically uh, intuitive to have a single screen and not to have to scroll down, you do in fact want to have to scroll down and have a fairly long home page so that you can get a good number of keywords on there without being silly so that you read it and it, it all makes sense and hangs together well. It, it shouldn't be an idiotically long page, but it's going to have some length to it. Then there are the inbound links, and now we mean quality links to your site. There are things called link farms, and that's what some of these optimizers who, who are charlatans use. And what they do is they get a whole no bunch of domains, and they basically have, they'll sell links from all those domains to whatever you have, your law firm site. But Google knows about those linking farms, and once they're discovered, and of course they're created anew all the time, but once they're discovered, they will penalize the people who are using them. So you want to stay away from that. Quality links are links from directories, links from your bar association, links from other organizations, perhaps that uh, practice your kind of law, anything that is a real honest and valid link. And that is really very very key to how highly you'll rank. So you've got to have something on your site that people want to link to. Your domain name can be very important because if somebody is searching for baby gifts and, and your domain happens to be babygifts.com, you've obviously got an edge there. If your site has changed a lot, Google just loves change and it hates stale sites. So if you don't touch your site for a long time, you're really hurting yourself. I probably have our site updated probably two or three times a week. And Google really notices that. It crawls a lot, so it notices the sites who have changes on it. And then there's a kind of a new factor, which is the age of your site. A lot of folks are speculating that Google doesn't want to send to the top of the rankings brand new sites that maybe have a lot of charlatan impact on them because they've got all these inbound links and they've got all these massive keywords and they've stolen content from places. And these are usually from fraudsters, I mean direct fraudsters who want to steal from you, steal identities, things like that. So there's a theory that Google is maybe holding off until a site has been around for a while before it pushes it up in the rankings. So I tell people when you, when you start a site, be a little bit patient. Are there other things you can think of, Jim, that uh, we want to mention as factors? Well, I, again, I keep going back to the content being key, and I think we actually mentioned this in a prior podcast, but if you've ever written an article for a lawyer's magazine, be sure and republish that on your site, and, and don't do necessarily PDF of it, but go ahead and get the text there as HTML, so it'll be more appropriately indexed by the search engine, but the fact that you have written for a, another group of lawyers to educate the lawyers is really kind of this instant credibility thing on your site, so I think that's important, and I also think that one of the odd things I've been seeing lately, Sharon, is 
as signature block links. There's so many message groups, listservs, and other things that are having their archives stored in Google Groups or other places that I'm actually starting to see hits back to my blog for people who've clicked on my signature block in an HTML version of a message I just sent to an email list. So that's kind of an odd thing and, and obviously something that you'd want to do for all purposes is to have your uh, web address and your signature block. Yeah, ditto. Ditto. I've seen that too. That's a good point, Jim. I failed to mention that. The next thing we want to talk a little bit about SEO companies, and and there are some companies that really talk, really try to put a big sales pitch on you about what they can do for SEO. There's some law-related companies as well that are specifically to the legal industry. Our two big primary legal publishers are obviously involved in that at this point as well. But generally speaking, Sharon's already given the answer to this. Search engine optimization well good placement is a long, hard process. It takes time and effort. And people that say that they're going to pop you up through the and have you a number one ranking in just a few days or a few weeks for a lot of money generally are not going to make that work or not going to make it work over the long term. And, and the link farms that Sharon noted are a perfect example how you can actually be penalized by having link, a bunch of links to your site from a link farm when it's found out by Google and the other search engines. So again, getting people to link to your site from whatever venue is always going to be good for you but uh, I, I just uh, I'm not sure that most law firms get the benefit by paying a lot to these SEO companies notwithstanding the fact that Sharon and I know some people in SEO that we have a lot of respect for their work right Sharon? Oh there are a lot of legitimate folks but but I'll tell you a story I recently heard from a client she was telling me and she, she's a solo she, she was telling me she was approached by a search engine optimization company and this is one of the scam companies and basically she was thrilled because they said they could get her to the top of the rankings and they were going to do that for the mere sum of $15,000 but she thought that was okay as a price assuming she was going to be number one but clearly she was not going to be number one for long because they were going to use illegitimate means to get her there and then she was going to be found out and then she was going to be penalized and she'd lose the ranking so it, it uh, it's one of the games that they play and most of the charlatans will charge by the month too. And I tell people, if you need SEO and you may, uh, you don't need it by the month. You need SEO on your site and you may want to revisit SEO in six months or 12 months, but it's not something that's a monthly fee, not in my judgment. And I'm sure there are good people that would disagree with me, but I don't understand why it should be monthly. You do need to keep adding to the site, but adding to it is not SEO per se. That's something else when, when you have somebody analyze your site and do a report on what you can do to improve. So and don't forget, if you if you really want an SEO company, Sharon, why why would you jump at the first people that contacted you, particularly through spam email? You know, you can do your research and find a company that's got a lot of business, a lot of clients, and doesn't waste time cold calling people, and they're probably going to be a more legitimate company. Oh, absolutely, and your friends, referrals. I mean, that's always great. Who did it for you? That's the, that's the person I want, that's for sure. Uh, another question we hear a lot is... Uh, does it matter what kind of law I practice? And, and absolutely it does. If you practice personal injury law or you practice family law, well, 
Sorry, but it's not going to be at the top of the rankings, your website, very likely, because there are just too many fish nibbling at the, the same waters there. So it's much easier if you're practicing something very discreet, a niche practice of law, like, say, wine and beverage law, or maybe you're practicing aviation law, something where there aren't many folks, especially within your geographic area. That, by its the very fact that you're in a niche area, means that you're going to come up higher in the search engine rankings. But family law firms really suffer, uh, and personal injury attorneys do as well. They, they just have to fight much harder, and they have to have a bigger, better website than their competitors. And if they're little, they're probably never going to be able to achieve the number one ranking that they all desire. In fact, my advice to the family law firm is to have family law in your city and state and all your tags and at least get those people who are searching right in your area. Oh, absolutely. You want to make sure on the homepage, uh, to go back to an earlier point, that the kind of law you practice and your geographic location is mentioned multiple times on that homepage. Okay. What do we want to talk about next, Sharon? Oh, I don't know. Let me see. Determining who your prospective clients are? That's something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you know who they are, you know how to attract them, and you know how they're going to search for you and what their keywords are going to be. And you really have to know, too, is your website, while you're optimizing it, they're you're optimizing it for the search engines, but you got to think about how people who are going to be doing referrals to you search versus how a client might search. And the way the clients search very frequently is less um, less, less competent. Uh, they just don't know what they're doing. So you have to think like the client. And if you're drawing uh, from the beer drinking, truck driving crowd, and I'm not trying to offend anyone here, but if that's your clientele, you have to think about how they're likely to search for, me, for you and make sure that their keywords are in there too. Sharon, let's divert from our outline for just a second. I want to ask you a question that I haven't prepared you for and get your response real quick. What do you think I, about the Google pay-per-click model? I already don't like you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Never do that, Jim. Never do that. Hey, I, I can wing this one. Well, we tried it. We, we tried it. We sunk some money into it. You know, as a, a marketer, and you know I'm an inveterate, inveterate marketer, I try a whole lot of things. Now, I'm not going to tell you that no one has ever succeeded with this because because I've talked to a couple lawyers who did well. They primarily did DWI, DUI, uh, traffic law. Those are primarily the guys I've talked to that have succeeded. But I can tell you that if you're advertising computer forensics, which is what I was doing, it seemed like I was throwing money down an eternally vast rat hole, and I was not happy about it. And it's expensive, remarkably expensive for some of the terms you want to buy. So you can have those monies gone in no time. Now, Google's got gotten pretty good about catching what we call click fraud, where you know a competitor is clicking on you or someone else is <laughs> driving your costs up. Uh, they've gotten pretty good about that. And a lot of those cases, which yeah, there really are uh, issued opinions on those, a lot of those I think really spurred Google to do a better job. But I'm not motivated to try it myself yet, although I keep telling my marketing, marketing director to keep an eye on it just to see if he thinks we should ever try it again. But we lost a lot of money for absolutely no gain. So that's what I, that's what I think of it. <laughs> I have to 
tell you, I felt a little guilt, guilty the other day when my mouse slipped and I clicked on a pay-per-click ad accidentally and thought, oh, I wonder how much that costs those people. <laughs> uh, I do think that if you have a very specialized area and a nationwide practice, that it's something you might take a look at. And you can also make sure and limit the campaign. So you can say, you know, I'll pay a quarter a click or whatever it may be, but I'm not going to pay more than $2 a day. And so then you can at least kind of kind of get your toe in there. But a lot of people really swear by pay-per-click. I haven't heard anybody who personally has any great success stories except, as you say, for some DUI and some other very specialized things. Well, it's just not a quarter a day. I mean, I, I think computer forensics, when I left this, was at $250. Uh, and, and so, you know, if, if your limit was $2 a day, you were SOL, Jim. So, <laughs> one click per day. Yeah, it was a one quick click per day. And as we know, there's got to be a lot of clicks before you have conversion over to a client. So now we do get a tremendous amount of business from the web. It's 20 to 25 percent of our business. So that's where I say, again, forget the, the click per ad kind of thing and instead focus on having a website that really has valuable content that people come to because if you're giving them free information and a lot of it, they're going to see that you have something valuable to sell. And that's very true for law firms as well. Sharon, how do you broaden and deepen your website to get as good an SEO result as possible? Is there any other things we've missed today? I think people need to talk about or think about putting a blog on their website, and I've actually had a client who absolutely refused to understand that having the blog with your website domain name makes sense because she wanted to put her blog separate from the website, and that just doesn't make any sense. If people are going to link six times to the blog and six people are going to link to your website, you've divided your forces here. You want to have all of those links going to your domain name and going to your primary website. So that that's one kind of thing. You can have electronic newsletters that force you to post something every week or every month. You can have case digest, which is something pretty easy to do. There's a lot of different things that you can do if you just put your mind to the brainstorming, but it's got to be information that you think somebody would be interested in finding. That's key because if, it, if it's not, if it's just garbage. You know, one of the issues I deal with is that we lawyers have labels for things that the public doesn't always use. For example, family law means something to us, but even though we don't use the word divorce in Oklahoma, most web searchers are still going to search on the word divorce. You had mentioned a tool to me off microphone about figuring out what keywords are most valuable, uh, something called Word Tracker. Does that ring a bell with you? Yeah, it, it does. It, it helps you discover what kind of words people are searching on. And, and it costs, uh, I think it's $329 for a year, but for a month it's $59 and a week is 30 And if, if you really, I'd, I'd pay the 30 bucks and try to figure it all out in a week and figure out what people are searching on. And that's very helpful to see because we think family law and they think divorce lawyer. You know, so they're they're looking for divorce, usually divorce lawyer Fairfax or personal injury lawyer Oklahoma City. They're going to do the area of law or the thing that they need, child custody, adoption, whatever it might be, and the geographic location, which I think is is what you mentioned before. 
And if I can back us up a minute, I just realized I should have mentioned these cookie cutter websites, particularly where you can buy the website and it's a template, but it doesn't carry your own domain. This is not a good idea for the uh, search engine optimization, obviously, and also it's not something that's portable. So, you know, you lose all, anything you've gained with Google, you lose if you abandon that site. So it's not a good SEO model. You should always have your own website with your own domain. And I forgot to mention that. Sorry, Jim. That's okay. I think we can always jump around during our conversations. Uh, indeed, we uh, do. <laughs> we always do, right? Yep. You uh, have more experience probably than I do with the larger law firms and, and how their model works with search engine optimization. Any special theories for a law firm that's big enough to have an IT department or some web technicians? Well, they, they know what they're doing. They really are pretty lucky because they have in-house SEO and, and they have people that do nothing but watch it, uh, that subscribe to searchenginewatch.com, which is, by the way, a pretty good source of information. All they're doing is looking at the competition to see what the competition is doing that they're not. They're analyzing. They're using um, uh, Google Analytics, by the way. It's a free tool, and that helps you to understand how people are coming to you. And I actually sat down and looked at that with my own marketing director last week. And when I looked at it, I just went, you know, wow, it's so compelling. The number of people, and I'm, I'm going to be rough here with the statistics, but the number of people that got to Sensei through Google was roughly 60%, and about 35% got to us by a direct search. In other words, they already knew us, they were looking for us, but it, it was over 60% or around there that was looking uh, through Google. And I didn't see the other search engines, but maybe once or twice in an entire three months of statistics. Now, what does that tell you? Sharon, there's rarely an hour during the day when I go back and check my statistics that I don't have a hit to my blog from Google, and rarely do I see any other search engine. Oh, you're right. I mean, it, it's so compelling. When, when you show people the Google Analytics, and, and those are, those who are listening to us, I hope everybody is using Google Analytics uh, since it is free, or you know, using some other kind of statistic tracking program, because I think when they see the numbers, they'll understand why our advice is exactly what it is. Have you ever heard of the term alcoholic? I have, but I'm, I, but I'm going to let you tell us what it is. That's right. You actually taught me the word, I think, although <laughs> I probably lived at some point, so that's a different story. <laughs> alcoholic is a person who is searching daily for the keywords to check their site's Google ranking. They're always checking their hits every day, and at some point, you need to optimize your website as best you can and then let it live its own life on the web for a few weeks, and then check back in to see how well you've done. Checking daily is going to give you an anecdotal view of things that actually may be wrong as opposed to checking statistics a month or, or uh, more at a time. So once you get the site set up and you're investing that money, sure you'll be tempted to check it frequently, but if you do it more than every other month or perhaps quarterly, we maybe need to come up with a 12-step program for you. <laughs> As I remember, Jim, when I explained an alcoholic to you, you put your beer down and look worried. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've had enough fun for this round. That's a all. Great podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. It was great to be with you. That's all, folks, for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy.